and the only kind of emotions that are useful to have are described by the Buddha as the four Brahma Viharas. Brahma Viharas, the abodes or the living place of the gods, the divine abodes, which is the literal translation of the Brahma Vihara. It means the four supreme emotions. And just as we have four ways of purifying our thinking processes, which I have already explained as the four supreme efforts, we also have these four emotional states as the only pure ones, all others should be usefully discarded and in the beginning substituted and later just dropped and later yet never to arise again. Now two of those I've already explained. I've explained the first one which is loving-kindness with the um, far enemy of hate and the near enemy of affection and attachment and the last one equanimity with the far enemy of anxiety and um, upset and the near enemy of indifference now there are two more compassion and sympathetic joy and compassion has as its far enemy cruelty and near enemy pity now because they are so similar in their expression these are called near enemies and they are of course much more difficult to recognize and one people who do not practice pride themselves quite unnecessarily how much affection they have for their loved ones and how much pity they have for the people whose lives are very difficult. And both of these um, emotions have no purity in them. They are better than the far enemy. They're better than hate. And, of course, they're better than cruelty. But they are not pure emotions because they are based on the ego illusion. They're based on, in the first case, on what is mine, the affection, and in the second case, in the pit, um, pity, it's based on the feeling that oneself is out of that situation and quite happy and lucky that one isn't in that same sorry state, and one feels removed and separated from the one that one pities. So it is, a, it is an emotion which is neither designed for one's own spiritual growth nor is it an emotion which would be of any use to the one that it's directed at. On the contrary. It is um, very often uh, quite unacceptable to be pitied by someone if one puts oneself in the other side and be the one that is being pitied one can maybe understand it easier why it's an impure emotion and yet it is far more um, often used than compassion because compassion has to have wisdom with it compassion has to have the understanding of one's own dukkha and also the recognition of how it arises and how one can actually make it cease. And only then will compassion have flowered to the point where it is of help to another person. Compassion, empathy with feeling, com is the syllable for with, it's a feeling to be with another person, not separated, not somebody else, not looking to, and thinking 
well, I'm, it's good it doesn't happen to me, but recognizing that it is happening to me, because whatever happens to someone else is happening to me. And only when one has really come to the point of a totality experience is one quite able to feel that. Until then, one might be able to tell oneself that, and that also is helpful. That whatever is happening in the world is happening to me, even if I can't feel the physical impact. The emotional impact is there because of the totality of consciousness. And only when we recognize that whatever it is that is coming up in our own hearts and minds is actually directed always towards either oneself or it hasn't even come for oneself. It is all always the whole of existence that it's happening to. Only then loving kindness and compassion will really flower. Now I mentioned this totality experience today in the context of the fifth and sixth jhana, meditative absorption. And having had that experience more than once, it becomes quite clear that this is so. And then, when another person has dukkha, one knows already about one's own dukkha, and one recognizes the fact that this dukkha is only dukkha because of the second noble truth, namely, that one doesn't want it there. One's trying to reject it. So if oneself has practiced sufficiently to let go of that rejection of whatever it is that's happening, one can then share with another person that ability to let dukkha go. The sharing of that is a real compassion. The Buddha's compassion was manifested in his daily teaching. It is um, said that every morning when he sat in meditation, he spread out the net of his compassion. And in that net, what he tried to catch someone, and always did, who would benefit by his teaching that day. And he would go a long way to teach even one person. To teach that person how to see the dukkha and get out of it. Now that's the real compassion. Pity means that being sorry for another person, then there is that sorry state in one's mind. So we've got two people who are sorry. doesn't help at all. If we have pity and one person is maybe crying and another person is really sorry, so then we've got two people who are in a sorry state. And nothing is accomplished in the way of learning anything. Since Dukkha is our best teacher, he's the best teacher, or he or she or it, it, it is the best teacher for everyone. It should never be shunned. It should always be welcomed. And it's the only way to deal with Dukkha. And if we welcome Dukkha for ourselves to learn from it, we can show how other people can do that too. That's the greatest compassion. Compassion has to be based on that personal experience of Dukkha and one's personal reaction to it. If one hasn't learned about one's own dukkha, is only rejecting it all the time, compassion hasn't any chance yet to flower. It's always pity. It's pity for oneself and pity for others. And because that does not bring about a growth, an inner growth, in neither the person that is experiencing the the unhappy state, nor in the other one, it is detrimental rather than helpful. Compassion can become only perfect, of course, when the ego delusion 
is so minimized that the clarity of mind is obvious because the clarity of mind helps also the purity of the emotion and the other way around the purity of the emotion helps the clarity of mind if we have other kinds of emotions towards people like anger, irritation, dislike, um, upset, rejection, resentment and all the rest of it whatever happens in the mind compassion is usually easier to substitute than loving kindness if one is upset with a person it's obviously difficult to change that into love just by wanting to but if one can remember one's own dukkha and thereby be quite sure that the other person has at least that much if not more maybe compassion will arise instead of dislike this is a much better chance than trying to substitute hate with love it's too difficult and out of compassion with other people's dukkha because one knows one's own only then does one have it can arise acceptance and appreciation and also the harmonious feeling that we're all in the same boat if one only pays attention to the negative reaction that one has and completely forgets that everybody is full of dukkha except the arahant and one isn't likely to meet many if one has that in one's mind that everybody is just as has just as many difficulties as oneself it makes it much easier to have relationships which are not beset with too many difficulties but on top of that the best part of it is that within oneself it's peaceful because the other person is having dukkha so what's there to get upset about the only thing that one can possibly do is arouse compassion for that it's difficult to be a human being it's difficult to be any living being and it doesn't matter who it is what they look like and what they do it's difficult to be a human being and if one hasn't seen that difficulty in oneself and hasn't <coughs> stopped blaming anything outside of oneself one cannot possibly arouse compassion first one has to see the difficulty in oneself then one has to stop blaming what's going on outside of oneself one has to see that the difficulty is inherent in the fact of being a human being that's all as nothing needs to happen just the fact of being a human being is difficult and then when people misbehave in one's own opinion of course do silly things and uh, um, say silly things well why are they doing it because they're having dukkha the only way that the mind will ever become really clear is when the emotions have no longer the tendency to be very um, wave-like up and down as long as there's this emotional wave inside of oneself acceleration and depression going up and down now this way now that way the mind is of course obscured by those waves and clarity of thinking does not happen it's often misunderstood that equanimity being the highest of all emotions means that nothing happens inside well it's a contradiction in terms equanimity does not mean nothing equanimity means that one has seen the difficulties one has been able to arouse loving kindness and compassion for oneself and has educated one's heart to feel that 
And therefore, no matter what happens with other people, it remains the same. It's loving kindness and compassion. They are part and parcel of equanimity. They are not divorced from that. Equanimity means that these two remain and are not subject to the conditions that arise whether a person needs it, wants it, is worth it, can have it or whatever. It's just there and therefore it remains the same. All of it is greatly facilitated if and when we're able to have that feeling of totality not just uh, this intellectual understanding of it that intellectual understanding of this particular thing means nothing it's, um, it's pr- actually hypocrisy because nobody who hasn't had the experience of an infinite togetherness could rightfully say that there is any totality in existence and it it sounds also like hypocrisy but if that experience has been even just a few times achieved that particular thing then it's it's a reality which one forgets again and again naturally but it can be realized everything that we have experienced has also a feeling with it and we can re-arouse that feeling on purpose deliberately and when we do then we feel it again and I have already mentioned that this is important in any insight to re-arouse it and also in any good meditative state to re-arouse that on purpose the feeling that comes from it although we can't be perfect in our compassion we can certainly practice it and it takes a bit of understanding to recognize the difference between pity and compassion and the person who has any kind of self-pity will find that difficult and this is a kind of uh, emotion which is quite popular because it makes a feeling of at least somebody is sorry for me even if it's me (laughs) (laughs) but it is a state of one would say utter ignorance because what's there to be sorry for we did it all ourselves every little bit that happens to us we've done it ourselves so who are we sorry for the person that did it that person that's experiencing it nothing to be done except recognizing the universality of it all and then when one has done with self-pity one will recognize the difference between pity and compassion compassion is an all-encompassing feeling which encompasses oneself and everybody else that one has compassion for it is a, a feeling of recognition and of embracing whereas pity is very one-pointed only to this very small um, segment one or two people and it doesn't have an embracing quality at all it has a separation quality in it and it also does not elevate the feelings at all it's, uh, it's more a feeling that tends towards depression whereas compassion tends towards elevation of feelings but one has to become fairly mindful to recognize that if one has a tendency in that direction if one doesn't have a tendency anyway towards that then one just needs to practice the understanding of the of the difficulties of dukkha that they are extremely important facets in one's life 
and that it is universal and not personal and then the compassion arises quite naturally it is a matter of remembering again and again and a matter of deliberating deliberately pointing the mind in that direction the other one joy with others or sympathetic joy is also in its uh, purity depend upon a totality experience it um, it means that one recognizes that whatever good or bad happens in the world in this case good happens to all of us it doesn't happen has to happen to me personally now the um, far enemy of joy with others is envy and the near enemy is hypocrisy it is a the fire enemy is quite clear there's not, nothing to be said about it when one wants it for oneself one is envious jealousy is part of that I want it for me and not for somebody else it's a very strong ego-based emotion envy and jealousy and the hypocrisy factor is that we say what we don't mean if something nice happens to somebody and we congratulate them and all the while we're thinking why doesn't it happen to me well that's the hypocrisy and it's very much practiced in society it's called little white lies and it already says what it is it's a lie and the lie by the Buddha has never been divided up into little medium or large lie is lie and it's never been divided up into white green red or black it just is and this is something that if one really wants to live and lead a spiritual life one has to watch this very carefully because we all have the tendency to excuse these things in ourselves to which also belongs to this little white lies belongs the exaggeration or the uh, tendency to minimize both are also not truthful so this hypocrisy which we would practice if we don't feel the joy with others would also be a breaking of one of the precepts and if it's only in the mind and not in the speech we haven't broken the precept yet but we have certainly contaminated the mind again this contamination process which happens over and over again must be seen for what it is it's a danger to ourselves and a danger to others any contamination is dangerous so the um, <clears throat> joy with others comes to fruition only when it is an established fact in oneself that no matter who has a joyful occasion it is always a cause for joy for anyone who knows about it and if we have the ability to practice that it is a sure antidote against depression depression uh, even in its mildest forms that can happen because one can't see anything nice happening anywhere well in one's own life maybe nothing particularly wonderful is happening but aren't there other people on this globe am I really the center of the universe isn't there something good happening to someone else that I may know about we may actually sometimes feel quite joyful if a baby is born to someone whom we know well it doesn't need that does it there are other things that could happen that we could feel joyful about joy is one of the prerequisites for meditation it's one of the prerequisites for equanimity 
It's one of the prerequisites for purification. So we need to practice it. This kind of joy is a worldly kind of joy. It's not the joy that we get through the meditation, but it is a necessary uh, stabilizer for the mind. It's not exhilaration, but it is just an inner recognition of the possibilities which exist that in this universe can actually create some joy in heart and mind without having to go through the meditative process which of course creates far more joy now the people we know well maybe one or two do meditate but most of them won't so they'll get their joy some other way well that's nice it's not up to us to judge whether they're getting their joy the right way may all beings be able to protect their own happiness it's not our business to find out whether they really know what happiness means may they be able to have it and protect it it's only our own business to know what our happiness means so if somebody has joy for something that we wouldn't enjoy at all we should be joyful with them and this kind of joyfulness with other people again reinforces our togetherness it reinforces our compassion and love for other people it is a show and manifestation of our generous heart that we don't have to have it actually we the, the joy we can actually share it and give it now all of it boils down all of them boil down to giving not wanting all of them all of these um, supreme emotions are giving to others we give love we give compassion we give have that joy with others which is a giving of our own um, recognition and of their joy and equanimity is a result of all that so this giving aspect is the heart's generosity and only a generous heart is a heart that can grow and expand because it is one that's not closed up not tight not in any way locked against other people but open and willing to give itself the more we give love and compassion obviously the more we've got so our search for it from other people is an absurdity the more we've got in our own heart the more we can feel it what other people feel well that's their business isn't it it is a great um, um, very common uh, occurrence that people are looking for someone that has compassion that has loving kindness that will be joyous with them well that's all very nice but does it really have any effect on our own heart if we don't practice to have that ourselves so the more we can practice to have that within us the more we feel it and then we are totally independent of who's there we don't have to go searching for anybody to give it to us we give it to others and it is a law of nature and it is proven in this case quite easily that the more we give away the more we've got but it's a law of nature which applies to everything and the most we have if we give the selfhood away then we've got everything but that again sounds like a paradox but that's exactly the way it is if we give that away 
then everything is ours because we have no more that necessity to separate ourselves from anything it's all ours here in these uh, supreme emotions it's easily seen and we can we don't even need to doubt it we know it that that's the way it is and therefore our generosity of heart is probably the main single factor which makes love and compassion joy with others possible and that is again a diminishing of the egocentricity so the more we can arouse those feelings in us because they go out to other people they are giving the more we are minimizing the egocentricity the less we have of this the more egocentricity there is everybody has difficulties with it at times and there are certain occasions when people find it easy to have love and compassion there are others when they find it difficult it's our judgment and mind that makes it difficult so we need to separate the excuse me the judgmental mind from the feeling that we have inside if we just go according to the feeling then it's so much more facilitated much easier but as soon as we allow the mind to make judgments it becomes extremely difficult because who is so lovable and why should we feel so compassionate there is no logical explanation there's only the heart that can speak so if we can let the heart speak and not the judgmental mind get in the way we will find it much easier to do it most of our difficulties come from the judgmental mind and the lack of being able to really give from the heart that difficulty arises also from the judgmental mind because very often people are afraid to give out with their love and compassion because they think maybe it won't be accepted well who cares what does it matter does it matter if somebody is going to accept it or not it doesn't have to have a result the only thing that matters is the giving out of one's own heart factors and heart qualities that's all that matters whether another person is ready to take it it's not a tennis game where somebody's got to send the ball back it's nothing but the education of the heart that's all so that particular difficulty which is very common in our society is again the wrong way of thinking it's again our judgmental mind if i give this maybe they don't want it well that's their problem isn't it and this is another thing that we must remember also in all these factors that what we do is our karma what other people do is it that's their karma it isn't interwoven what our intentions are that's our karma so this is also useful to remember in this context these four emotions brahma viharas the divine abodes are that quality of the heart that we can grow and um develop into so that our mind is no longer disturbed by the negativities and the more we can develop these qualities in us the easier it is also to meditate and the easier it is to live with other people 
the easier it is to live with oneself. The ease of living is dependent upon these four emotions. I think that's enough about this topic. You have any questions? Now you can ask them. is easy uh, related means that it's uh, it's as close to you as your own skin it's a it's a closest relationship you can ever have we we live according to our karma making all the time and born of my karma is because of craving to be that's why we go where we get born and this craving to be is the reason for being born and that's already enough that's our karma and it's totally impersonal now karma is something that we also bring with us but it's totally impersonal it's not me it's only cause and effect but that only comes really clear when this person that we think is me is seen for what it really is it's also impersonal so the karmic resultants that have been um, generated in, in the mind before are still here because also this time element is also an illusion of dividing ourselves up in past, present and future all is now everything is now and that we don't remember the karma we have made well, that's only a matter of the notoriously bad memories that people have an arahant can remember but it doesn't matter whether we can remember or not because it's there but we don't have to con- we don't have to think that we continue to suffer from it. it depends on what we do now we have to make good karma now and that's the most important aspect of it and being born of one's karma is we wouldn't be here if we didn't have craving to be it's like the carrots in the garden they grow because the seed has that in it that craving to be sometimes called life energy for light word for it for craving to be <laughs> anything else? yes before resurrecting the feeling feeling in that sense is actually memory um, it's not feeling when you say we've only got three types of feeling we've got pleasant feeling, unpleasant mm. feeling or neutral feeling when you say you can resurrect the feeling in that sense could it be translated as memory? no your memory will help you to bring up that feeling it's a mental emotional state you can see emotional state in this case you bring up that emotional state that was there and the memory that we have is helping us to do that if we didn't have the memory then we wouldn't be able to do that if we have forgotten it we can't bring it up so it's closely related to memory yes if, if we don't remember something at all we can't resurrect it I mean it's like, like the language we haven't spoken if it's completely lost in, in, in the back it can't resurrect it but uh, if it's not completely lost our emotion we can bring it up and uh, in, in the context of having that understanding that this was worthwhile so then we can resurrect it and also it's very important to divide or to know the difference between the thinking process and the actual feeling because the heart 
has the capacity and the ability to be loving and compassionate. Naturally, the heart also has the ability and capacity to do the opposite. I mean, it can also have the the hate emotion. But it has far more lovability than we give it credit for. Everybody has it. And if we just allowed it to flow without all this uh, convolution in the mind, why it should or shouldn't happen, it would be so much easier to get to it. So to resurrect also a feeling of love we've had at some time or other may also help us to uh, be able to make it flow better. That's also, of course, based on the memory of it. But the memory is only our trigger, then the feeling itself to bring up. Anything else? Yes. How can one feel and express compassion for another, for other people who are in a situation that's totally outside one's own experience? For example, the Middle East War. Um, I want to feel compassion for those people, but I don't even want to put my mind to imagining what they're going through. Well, that, if you don't want to put your mind to what these people are going through, that means that you're rejecting Dukkha. And uh, we often do that. It's a fear of Dukkha. I don't like Dukkha. Uh, And because when we can actually imagine what they're going through, we can feel that Dukkha. And we don't want to feel that Dukkha. So we're rejecting Dukkha. It's much better not to reject it, to go with it, to accept it the way it is, and then compassion will arise automatically. Because everybody's imagination is um, perfectly capable of imagining that dukkha, even if one hasn't been in a war. I think we've seen enough war pictures to know what it's like. So it's a rejection of dukkha. And that can be, of course, um, changed. Recognition, no blame, change. I think I'll make a, make a, you can make a sign one day. Recognition, no blame, change. We'll hang it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. believe that what you're saying? <laughs> really? <laughs> Surely not. Well, in, in fact, when I, I feel at the war in the Middle East, it, it was very interesting because only just three weeks before that war broke out, I was in Thailand, and all of the Thai newspapers were full of the problems in Cambodia, and the daily news was ceaseless about people being killed in very large numbers still in Cambridgeshire and yet it's quite amazing when you come back to Australia just such a short time later it's the world news that five people are killed now in the Middle East but there's not a word about what's going on in the war in Cambridgeshire it's it's no longer important it's just suddenly uh, evaporated what's happened to it maybe they don't have a correspondence there <laughs> it's just typical of, of what I think I said before about the subjectivity of our news. I mean, it's now become very important that we look at this particular war, but there's still millions more people dying in Africa at the moment than are in yeah. But that wasn't the question. The question was, I would like to feel compassion, but I, I don't really want to put my mind on that dukkha. Was it on their book or on that particular book? Suffering, on their suffering. If I want to feel compassion, I have to put my mind on the suffering. Yes, sure. It got to. 
and it's very useful extremely useful because only then does one see the world as it is it's full of that and it doesn't matter whether it's called Afghanistan, Capuchia, Vietnam, Laos, Korea, uh, uh, the Gulf what does it matter? it's always like that it has never ceased to be like that and it never will cease to be like that and it just happens that this particular thing is uh, of some importance to this particular newspaper uh, empire and that one was more important to that new it doesn't matter, it's all dukkha what does it matter, I mean, what they look like and it's all the same kind of dukkha so in order to have this compassion uh, feeling it's necessary to recognize that we're all in it whether, and I said that earlier, whether we're feeling the physical impact or not, which we don't, we're not being shot at right now. Um, but the emotional impact is always there if we know the totality of experience, that we are part of this whole experience. And therefore it's good to look at this dukkha and see it for what it is. Another reason to get out. Desire for deliverance. And, so there, and also another reason for developing more compassion with the difficulties of being a human being I mean anybody can be caught in the crossfire of some war it uh, just happens to be that Australia is a little bit removed physically uh, and is not important enough to be bombed very lucky but uh, that's only uh, at the moment, uh, at this point in, in, in our history, the case. Who knows whether it's always going to be like that. And we've all been in these situations before, not that it was us then, and these situations can always arise again. We're all in it. See, the separation syndrome, it's them is the one that makes it difficult to feel compassion and the minute you can feel this horrible suffering that goes on there and whether you do whether it's Africa, it doesn't matter do it with Africa, it doesn't matter which one um, then one realizes the heart connection that's the heart connection we have and again it's not them, it's all of us So we can, and we can use it always as a teaching aid. It's a great teaching aid. Naturally, it's unpleasant. It's, uh, but in order to arouse compassion, it's useful. But we also have to protect our senses. So we have to find a way to. No, the senses is in this case we're talking not so much about the. Uh, input through our senses uh, more through the understanding the insight of the dukkha and then the heart opening up in compassion it's not so much well if one were there one would see it yes certainly and uh, in this case that would be useful the Buddha said you know to look at corpses and to see your own corpse and to see other corpses, how they were eaten up by maggots in that case not the, the sense contact is not to the arouse greed and hate but if it arouses compassion it's good if we use uh, the uh, looking to television uh, looking the wall and use it for uh, arouse compassion and see the dukkha then it's okay yeah. But if you use it to get hateful, like they were yelling in Melbourne, I was telling about this, they had in this peace rally, they were yelling and screaming and getting more full of hate. I hate war and I hate, uh, what's his name, Hawk, isn't it? Uh, he's doing this and he's doing uh, nonsense, you know. But if it arouses compassion, yes. But if, if it arouses more dukkha in oneself without compassion, it's also not useful you know if one starts feeling a lot of dukkha but no compassion so then when one starts feeling a lot of dukkha oneself one has to first give compassion to oneself and then 
to the other people. So it's all all connected, and it can be very helpful. Having a visitor, a person, person, the one I thought that was a robber. <laughs> Oh, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And their footsteps are very human-like, mm-hmm. yes. And they're very small only, you know, so like this only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, interesting animals in Australia. Anything else? Put the attention on the breath for just a few moments, please. Open the door to your heart and see if there are any negative emotions there. If so, let them float away like a black cloud. Now visualize a warm golden light containing peace and love. Which enters through the top of your head and permeates the whole body. Feel the warm glow of love and the calm of peace. Now think of the person sitting next to you. Let this golden light touches him or her. And pervade this person with peace and love. Now fill and surround all the people in this room with this warm, 
golden light. And share the feeling of peace. The feeling of love. think of your parents, whether they're alive or not. Embrace them with love and peace. Send them this golden light and let it pervade through your whole beings. Think of the people dearest and nearest to you. Let this golden light reach out and let it flow right to their hearts. send this warm glowing light to the people you meet every day people you work with your neighbors acquaintances people in the streets Share the warm glow of love and the restful feeling of peace together. There might be someone 
you have a problem with at this moment, someone you have had an argument with. Open your heart to this person. See that this person has got the same look as we have. So forgive and forget. Let him or her share. Share in this feeling of love, understanding and warmth. Think of the people who have far more difficulties in Dukkha than we have. People in third world countries. People in wars. People who are terminally ill. Crippled people, blind people. Children dying of starvation. Open your heart towards all these people. And let the golden light flow and embrace them. Let them share in all the peace and love you have got in your heart. Now picture the golden light surrounding this globe. Let it be as a mantle just above the surface of the earth. go down slowly and let this golden light pervade all the beings and purify nature 
put your attention back on yourself. Let contentment arise because of the right effort you've just made. Still feel the warm glow of love in your heart. the restful calm of peace and keep it there may all beings have love in their hearts 